Thanks for listening to Rare Bird Radio. I'm Doug Cooper, author of the award-winning fiction Outside In and The Investment Club, and the forthcoming Focus Lost, due out from Rare Bird Books on April 16th. This podcast is sponsored by Rare Bird Books, based in Los Angeles, a publisher of 50-plus books per year, distributed worldwide by PGW. Today, I have the pleasure of being in conversation with Heidi Barnes, author of The Bellman and The Bellman's Secret. Welcome, Heidi. Well, thanks, Doug. Fabulous to be here with you today. Absolutely. So, you know, I had read initially The Bellman, and then I was happy that she came with a follow-up and continued the story of, the, you know, some of those characters and such a beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, so what's your connection to that part of the country? Because now you're living on the West Coast, right? But the stories take place on the, on the East Coast. I know, quite an extreme, <laughs> I'll say. Well, I summered up in Maine um, really my whole life because uh, originally we lived in New York. So my parents bought this family home in Bar Harbor and it was stunning right on the water, big black and white Georgian manor. And it just, you had the little uh, town which was boutique and everyone was familiar with one another and you have Acadia National Park there which was at the time the eighth most visited park in I believe North America or certainly the United States I don't know what its ranking is today but it's a glorious setting and after university uh, because my parents had turned it into an inn after 20 odd years I ran it for about seven years, and I wanted to remember the eccentric guests and the odd staff and the stories and the glorious atmosphere. So that's really why I sat down to to write it. And I just was having so much fun with it that I had to continue on with a second novel, and then there'll be a third one coming out uh, in about a year. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think... You know, you hit on the word glorious and the setting, and I had marked a passage that, you know, I just wanted to share with with listeners um, that I think is just really captures what what you're talking about. And it's it's to close one of the chapters and it's irritability had transformed to serenity. People conversed, drinks streamed, delicacies devoured in an atmosphere of love songs, crackling fires and candlelit tables. Everyone stopped complaining about the weather and raved about the evening. And I just thought that was such a beautiful passage that just really captured, you know, even though we might not have been to this particular town or this particular area, I think we've all either been to a place that we've had that feeling or, you know, we seek, we seek that out, just what, what you captured there. Oh, well, thank you for acknowledging that verse. Um, That is actually sums up the way that I felt about the place, because it was a very important part of my life. And while a lot of times there was chaos going behind the scenes, even though you didn't see that as a guest coming into a hotel or an inn, a lot of that is disguised. Um, you know, even today, you don't know what's going behind the scenes. So that really, you know, with the heat of the day and everyone was frustrated and irritated, but then that it just, everything kicked in and the whole atmosphere and feeling took over and why everyone was, was there, you know? So thank you for acknowledging that. 
it's an important yeah. line for me. Yeah, I just thought that 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 really um, just just really crystallized so much. And, you know, my first book, Outside In, was set in a summer resort area. And, you know, I could could share in some of the research and the time that I spent there, you know, I experienced some of some of that. So could really relate to that. And, you know, you have quite a cast of, of characters that you say and there. You kind of get a behind the scenes glimpse and your lead character, Stan, um, you know, I just kept thinking, poor Stan, you know, what's <laughs> what's going on going on with Stan? You know, why can't he why why can't he see, you know, what's what's going on? So I just wanted you to just kind of talk a little bit about Stan and and, you know, why you chose him as as your lead character well you know I started writing this book over 20 years ago after I'd finished running the inn and I just so I was much younger then of course and I just had this fellow that he had to just graduated high school he had to be around that age that most the bellmans that I hired were And there was so much that I saw in different Bellmans that they're trying to figure out their life. They had all these dreams and aspirations, but, you know, things always slap you in the face that you you just don't expect. And your dreams don't always turn out the way, you know, they, they can in the long run. But in the meantime, there are several hiccups along the way. And so Stanley for me is just you know, he's a bit bumbling, but he has a great heart and he's learning like so many of us do when we're going to attain our dreams. We're on our path. And that was just important to me just to kind of have a little fun. But I have true, you know, I have real things that happen, you know, in life as well. It's not just fun and bumbling. I have deaths and, and other things that go on because I wanted to bring in reality and, and, uh, into the story. But that was really where the character came for me. Just somebody who's trying to figure out their way on their way to their dreams, which I think are so many of us. I mean, at least that was me. And, um, Mm -hmm. but I have to ask you because your outside in, as you said, was award-winning and you have the investment club, which I read, which was fantastic. And I am going to read outside in and I can't wait for focus loss to come out in April. So you're, because your characters are very in depth, thought provoking the experiences you have them go through. I'm wondering, how do you come up with those characters who they all tie in together? It's fascinating. Yeah. So most of my writing, I, I approach from two kind of two two ways one is i like to pick a really interesting setting so with outside in you know i picked this this island in lake erie that has this um called uh south bass island and the and the village there is putin bay and it has a lot of historical significance from the war of 1812 and just thought it would be this island in lake erie would be a really good setting for a novel and then then I just take, you know, much, much like you just try to develop these, you know, complex, relatable characters. And so for my second novel, The Investment Club, I, I chose Las Vegas and I made it about five broken people that meet at a blackjack table uh, in downtown Vegas. And so it's the story of what brought them to Vegas 
and once they met and what happened and it's called the investment club because as we all know you know gambling is a big part of the the culture and lifestyle in vegas but i wanted to do um gambling and investment but more on a personal sense so these people learn and contribute to to one another and the over, overall message is you know the greatest return is what we get from investing in one another so I like to take the people and the, the way that I really try to get to the depth is I create very detailed uh, personality profiles. Um, I use everything from like Myers-Briggs type stuff. You know, I think about what, where would they fall on the Myers-Briggs to, you know, just, just detailed uh, character profiles. And then probably 75% of it I never use, but it's kind of there. And sometimes it just comes into things organically um, because I had thought about it before. And with Focus Lost, I actually set it in Los Angeles. And um, it's about three people. It's a triangle, and it's, it's kind of loosely based on, on Milton's Paradise Lost, which is where the title comes from. So there's a lot of biblical tie-in. It's about these three people, an actor, his agent, and a photographer. And so the actor is the devil character, the agent is the Eve character, and the photographer is the Adam character. So it's a, a triangle very much. And I thought Los Angeles as a modern day kind of Garden of Eden was a, was a good tie in there. So again, very setting oriented and character oriented is, is usually kind of my approach. It comes across clearly that it's um, well thought out, very well thought out. <laughs> and uh, I love your trailer, your book trailer that you have online that almost looks like a movie. So mm -hmm. I could see this as a movie, this, you know, focus loss. Well, actually, I could see all three of your books as movies. Um, so I just can't wait to, to read that. And yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of similarly, you have, uh, and, and you had mentioned earlier that you have the, um, you're already planning the third, the third leg of the, of Stan's, Stan's journey, and I don't want to give any spoilers away from the Bell, you know, from the Bellman secrets, um, but is there a change in, in venue, or are circumstances going to bring the characters the characters back because at the end it seems like could be moving to new territory <laughs> but could, al right. could also come back so uh don't want to give away anything but um, yeah if, if well, you want you, know, you want to share feel free well i think you know oftentimes when i start off writing a book you just for me i don't always map it out to the very end so i don't know which way it's going to go myself um, right now, yes. Well, I don't want to say anything, actually. I don't want to say anything. But you, once you start, you never, I'm not really sure which way I'm going to go. Because sometimes I just change direction mid-course. I go, you know what? No, these guys want to do this and they're going this way. The characters kind of take on their own life for me and do their own thing. So right now it's wide open. You know, but uh, I'm just as long as I'm still having a lot of fun with the series, I'm just going to 
keep writing and see where it goes. But certain things are purposely left undone or untold or unsaid, untied in, because that'll be in the grand finale. You know, you leave little yeah. droplets of, you know, or little mm-hmm. peblets along the way. And then you use that at the very, very end to tie everything in. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. I, I've been in the middle of uh, doing some work on my house. So it's a bit chaotic to write now, which is a bit frustrating because I'm itching to get back to it. But it's just hard unless you have that environment that's quiet and, and uh, you know, relatively calm. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. That's what I, I always say. You know, the the ideas come from turbulence and chaos, but to really craft them and develop them, you need calm. Exactly. I, I, I need calm. I need calm waters. You know, I stir everything up to for inspiration, but then when it comes time to synthesizing it into anything, it's I, I got to have some calm and tranquility. And and like you know what I found, and I'm pretty open in in my process as well. When like my my three books, they all are are kind of very different the the first one i did very organically and just wrote and much like you had the characters and the setting and just saw where it took me and you know the final product was very different from the early versions and you know the investment club that that you mentioned which was these five stories weaving together and i you know i moved the timeline and and i really found that i had to really be structured and that to keep track. So, I mean, I actually had a spreadsheet and rows and columns and building th- stuff out and really had to picture the whole thing to, to bring it together. And then with Focus Lost, I really had the beginning, opening scenes and the ending scenes um, as the beginning point. Knew how I wanted to do that and how I wanted to do that. But everything that happened in between, I, I wasn't sure. So I had to connect I had to connect those dots as I as I went and kind of fill in that gap. So, um, you know, which is kind of fun. I I think like you, you know, I I like to just let things evolve, and if if I see it going a, a certain way, I I don't I don't restrict uh, the characters and and the development. Right, which I just find so fascinating because it is just such a the characters do seem to. St- take over and you just go with the flow and I think I love that about writing where it doesn't yeah. have to be that structured you have this freedom to do whatever you want and go wherever you want and yeah I just love that now I have to ask you because you have traveled quite a bit and I have traveled quite a bit as well and you lived in Norway I understand mm-hmm. yeah five years wow five years. How was that? I've never been yeah, there. It was, it was great. I mean, Scandinavia in, in general, the people are are amazing. You know, they're a little bit more reserved. Um, but as you're there, open up, uh, open up very, very much. So, yeah, I had I had moved a lot. Some of it for work, some of it for adventure and ended up there. And then I was working there and the job I had was. Um, had to travel internationally a lot. So I think it took me to 20, 25 plus countries. And in those five, five years, 
um, and just really got to experience and, and see a lot. And then as that was coming to an end, and, and while I was there, I was doing a lot of writing, had, had the first draft of uh, Outside In done, had the idea for the investment club, had also um, written a screenplay, which is what became Focus Lost, and was just really starting to amass a lot of writing and, and felt a bit disconnected uh, from, from home and really wanted to come back and, and give a shot at getting things published. And so I decided to come back and that's when I moved to Las Vegas to work on the second book and, uh, the investment club and live there and work on that and then, and then get, uh, outside in published and, and was able to do that. And now that's six years later and, uh, focus lost the third book will be out, uh, next month. Wow, that's exciting. That's exciting. And so you've been back six years, you said, from Norway? Uh, yeah, six six years now already. Oh, yeah, was, did you did you find that uh, an odd feeling coming back after being gone for five years? Yeah, it took me a little bit to to just reorient. I I was coming back a couple times uh, a couple times a year, and and um, it would always be funny when I would when I would come back because you know your body moves as you know from traveling your body moves faster than your kind of mind and spirit so you know you can land and you can be a place but it creates this uh almost separation that is really great for uh opens up your senses and that because you are a bit out of sorts but i know when i would i would come back and might be a little jet lagged and be in the gym uh the next morning and everybody here is so friendly, you know, you were, Oh, hi. How yes. are you? And, and I would be like, you know, it just wasn't, not that people aren't friendly in a <laughs> way, but they, it's just different. They're, they're more reserved. You don't say necessarily hi to, to strangers and, you know, you kind of just going about your business. And so I'd be like, why is this person talking to me? Do I know that person? <laughs> and then after true. I'd be back for a while, I would adjust and then I would go back and I would be in the, in the grocery store and I would be saying, Oh, Hey, you know, how are you? And smiling and being all, you know, extroverted. And people would be like, why is this person talking? What are they doing? What's going on here? You know, so there, there was some just cultural, uh, cultural things uh, to, to adjust to, you know, food and, and everything. But I think everywhere I move, you take a little piece with you and then it all kind of blends together and starts to be a part of of who you are. So my time there and and the friends I have and what I learned and and the person that helped me become and understand is very much very much a part of me and very special. Oh, I I totally agree. I hear where you're coming from because I've been gone from the U.S. for about 25 years and it's you know where I was born and brought up and I lived in Singapore New Zealand Australia Dubai Canada and some other places in between and so coming back I actually I joke that since I moved to LA it's the only place I I've uh, experienced culture shock (laughs) around the world but LA is a different place um, to in regards to the rest of the U.S. as well, because there's so much diversity here. So it was quite shocking for me to come back um, to the U.S. It wasn't 
exactly what I remembered. Am I happy to be back? I'm just thrilled to be back in the U.S. and love living in L.A. But it was quite a cultural shock coming back because things change. People change. I changed, went away. And um, but all those experiences, as you said, they just add up and into what you become and how you perceive, you know, your surroundings. But I, too, because Americans are so friendly, I have people looking at me, they're talking to me, and I'm like, you talking to me? You know, they're like, hello, mm-hmm. how are you doing? I'm going, really? You talking to me? And then I'm happy to talk to them, to meet new people, and I love talking to people. But it's been quite an experience, and uh, so uh, I'm thrilled for having the abroad experiences and, and coming home again. <laughs> Yeah, and you you bring that into your writing as well. Um, you know, at, at times the the inn there, although it's a, a small town, um, it's almost a little you know United Nations there with with some of the guests and and their backgrounds and that that come that come in. Um, you know, and and I notice some of the details that you you bring in that really conveyed to me. I said, Oh, she, she must either have lived abroad, traveled quite a bit because they were very, you know, nice details, very nuanced, very, you know, that really added a nice dimension um, to the, to the book and to the story. Did you, um, did, did those things just kind of weave in there? Did you plan on doing that or is it just, you know, again, just from from living and and being in these different places, that this is just a part of you, and and this stuff just flowed out. No, it was it was planned. Well, the first book, um, the Bellman, actually, everybody did all those foreigners that came through. Like, well, I, I can't remember what I called them, but it was Mobutu from Z- the president mm-hmm. of Zaire, Africa, actually came through and stayed with us, which was a whole very unique experience in itself so a lot of the first book a lot of the people did come through that were for in the second book I wanted to include more of the international clientele because I wanted to remember what it was like living abroad and the people that I met abroad because we did have people that were international you know coming through this boutique inn because it was the highest rated hotel or inn in the state of Maine. So it was very exclusive. And we had these, the international guests. And I wanted to remember the places that I had lived, the people coming through and what their demeanor was. And that was important to me. And I think it makes it fun because you are in a small town of Maine and you want to capture the uniqueness of that and the people there, the locals. But you mm-hmm. also want to keep it a little more international. With It's, it's a hotel or in people are flowing in, they're flowing out. Um, and it just gives diversity, uh, uh, quite a bit of diversity to to the book and the so yeah, the story. So I I just had so much fun with it. And some of the guests that um, come for the summer were unwanted, and I'm referring to the fish, which oh. I thought was just a <laughs> you know just an interesting. It kind of created a, a, a you know first a mystery. Everybody's talking about this humming sound, and then it just it's it's such a nice. Uh, kind of subplot that's that's 
that's weaved through there. So where where did the I mean, is that something that um, you actually ex- experienced there that these fish would come and mate and? Um, well, unfortunately, it is something I've experienced, but not in Maine. But they do have them in Maine. It's true. There, no, nobody at first believes it, but if you research it, it's actually, uh, you know, a, a issue. So in Tiburon, California, which is right outside of uh, San Francisco, my brother and I have a property that we rent out there, and it's right on the San Francisco Bay looking out of the Golden Gate Bridge, and we have these midshipmen midshipmen fish who come underneath they mate there may through october and they cause such a disturbance that they actually can shake the building and it's you know three units high and they sound like a drone like a b1 bomber and it's real if you research it Mm. nobody at first people think oh that's just crazy but it's actually you know a thing and they have them in the atlantic ocean so I thought, oh, my gosh, I've spent more time trying to figure out how to deal with these fish who come and disturb the tenants. And I just thought it had to be included in there because and it's fun. It's you know, I had a lot of fun with it. It starts out kind of a a bit of a mystery and, <laughs> you know, and, and then it becomes, you know, part of Stan's uh, objective and. He becomes uh, uh, obsessed with it, and I and I know from your acknowledgments, you're you're an animal lover. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I mean, was it? Hard? I mean, because you know he he's getting pretty pretty nasty trying to get rid of these things. And uh, um, <laughs> was that kind of hard for you to to do, or was it? Um, well. Just being no, an animal lover, or how well, how how would have you handled how how would have you handled it different from Stan? Well, I would try to, as I did in Tiburon, as as I have done in Tiburon, try to figure out a way naturally, environmentally friendly to steer the fish during mating season in a different direction. So. That has been really, I've spent a few years trying to do that. It's very, very difficult. I've spent time, lots of time talking to experts, bringing them in. And um, it's just, nobody has an answer. No one has an answer. So I would just try to, I probably, you can't even put a net up because the waters are too rough. Uh, There's just no way that anyone can figure it out. Um, so Stan, that's just part of the fun, like a kid getting annoyed and it's driving him crazy and he can't sleep Mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody's having fun except for Stan, the fish, the people, you know, the guests. Mm -hmm. So it's just part of his frustration that I wanted to build on. Yeah. And I like, you you know, you, you referred to him as, as bumbling, but definitely lovable. You're rooting, you're rooting for him to to uh you know kind of to you know just wake up a bit and 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 see what's see what's happening and you just really want good good things um for him but i i guess w- one of the things i wondered is w- why why was mrs linkoff who was the overall uh you know manager ran ran the place uh, you know, why, why did she just seem to have such, 
such a problem with with Stan, or was that just his his perception of of what was going on? But she just always seemed to catch him at the wrong time. Well, I think she's just very she's a dictator, and she's not really paying attention to what goes on in the hotel down to the ground level. Where Stan, being the bellman, he's everywhere. He sees and does everything in that hotel and he understands what's going on with the people well, he does and he doesn't you know he thinks he understands but he doesn't always and she just comes in you know in her you know with her big stick telling mm-hmm. everyone what to do and she just catches him at the wrong time because that's just his bad luck <laughs> yeah but, yeah but let me t- ask you about so focus loss because i know we're probably running out of time here and i want to get in focus lost a little more about that before we sign off because i'm i'm quite excited yeah so one of the things like i said i i really you know most of my stuff has a literary angle as well and and this is is really tied to um paradise lost and has a lot of uh nabokov lolita um woven in in there as well and and i really in all my books try to take a kind of issue topic and and kind of confront it and and the one in this is there's a lot of sexual um aggression and energy and the whole the whole premise is the actor uh whose name is levi combs is out at an orchard farm of his with an underage starlet that they just have a big movie that's come out and he's showing her around and they go hiking and they end up at this waterfall. And, you know, she's 17, um, childhood actress star. And she, she's might be 17, but she's going on 30 and she's always had what she wanted. And she decides she wants him and comes on to him. And at the same point, there's a nature photographer who's there, Gabe Adams, who's photographing this, this waterfall. And he inadvertently gets this on film and doesn't even know who they are. And he goes, he goes back home um, and he's looking at these pictures and his young uh, sister comes and sees the pictures and says, oh, my God, do you know what you have here? And he's like, no, I just he looks a little old for her. And so she says, oh, that's Levi Combs and Emily James. And, you know, we got to do something with these. And and he doesn't want anything to do with it. Well, being the younger sister and he's taking care of her and she decides she's going to help him. And, and she sells these photos to a tabloid site called Forbidden Photo. <laughs> and these photos get out and then w- once once they're out it's just creates this this chaos and so the the whole book is really about that line between passion and obsession and all these characters are really passionate about what they're doing but how that can sip, um simply slip into um obsession and once that does it's not even about you know, what you've done, what makes it worse is your reaction to the action. And each time that happens and you just get further away and things can just spiral out of control. And, and, uh, so it's a pretty wild, it's a pretty wild ride. Um, and there's, as I said, a lot of biblical symbolism. There's a snake, um, that's Levi's pet that has a, 
um, several big scenes. Every scene he, um, she's in, her name's Hannah. She seems to steal the scene. So it was just a, it was a lot of fun again to just bring these characters together and and watch things uh, unravel and just kind of let it go. Wow, that sounds intriguing. How did you come up with that idea, or is that a secret? <laughs> no, it's it's really just you know again this is an I probably had this idea ten. 10 years ago, one of those just what if moments, you know, what if, you know, this happened and this happened and, and then you just kind of start noodling on it, you know, and, and then it just starts to take shape and say, oh, you know what, I want to spend some time with these characters and, and this situation and see what happens. And as I said, I initially wrote it as a screenplay and that's why I did the book trailer more as a movie trailer. Cause I did really picture it that way and, and how I blocked the scenes out and, and that the whole idea of this camera um, is kind of telling the story. The story is told from a camera's perspective and also the tie in as that is kind of the eye of God and kind of a double, double meaning there. So, and the, the idea of focus and, and lost. And, and so I just thought that'd be really cool to try to make the narrator from kind of a camera, a camera's perspective. And yeah. And then once, um, as you said, you start, you sit down and you start working with it and then it just, it uh, takes, takes control. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to it. And I, like I said, I can see it as a movie as well. So where where can we um, buy the book? Yeah, it's it's right now it's available for pre-sale. Um, you know, the usual anywhere books are books are sold online. You can ask your local uh, booksellers to order it. It's available uh, through, um, you know, uh, through Rare Bird Books. And, um, yeah, April 16th is coming and, um, looking, looking forward to hearing what people think and, and, uh, enjoy the, enjoy the experience, I hope. And for you, any last words about the Bellman or the Bellman secret? Oh, well, same available where all books are sold and also online and through Rare Bird Books. Um, and I have a website, Heidi-Barnes.com um, and a Facebook page, The Bellman Series. And I assume you have the same, right? Um, Facebook or, or a website people can go to? Yeah, for more information on me or any of the books, you can go to buycooper.com, B-Y-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. And same for Facebook, it's uh, buycooper, and Twitter is at buycoop. And love to interact with anybody that's listening and and look forward to uh, your next book, Heidi. And <laughs> Thank you, Thanks Doug. for joining me in conversation. My absolute pleasure, and I hope to meet you sometime soon. Absolutely. So just want to wrap up here on Rare Bird Radio. I'm Doug Cooper, author of the award-winning fiction Outside In and the Investment Club and the forthcoming Focus Lost. This podcast was sponsored by Rare Bird Books, based in Los Angeles, a publisher of 50-plus books per year, distributed worldwide by PGW. Thanks again to Heidi Barnes for joining us in conversation to talk about her wonderful books, The Bellman and The Bellman Secrets. Thanks for listening to Rare Bird Radio. We'll talk to you next time.